And this month we're talking about a person, and his name is Jesus. And I think it's so imperative as a church that we talk about Jesus. I think it's always scary if you're a part of a church that doesn't talk about Jesus. Uh, but I'm thankful that we're a church who believes in Jesus. And, you know, coming around this theme, obviously if you're a pastor and you can't talk about Jesus, there's something majorly wrong. Uh, but this time as we've come around to talking about Jesus again, I felt this immense amount of respect and in a healthy way fear that if I'm going to talk about Jesus, I really better represent Him well. Because He truly is such an amazing person, such a deep person, such a thoughtful person. Everything Jesus did, is, did and is doing is intentional and strategic. And I hope today, as we speak about Him, we can really represent Him well. Really catch who He is. And when it comes to Jesus, obviously there's probably, I couldn't even put a number on it, but many, many messages you could talk about what Jesus said, what Jesus did, what Jesus is doing, Jesus' return. There's so much to talk about. And I suppose as a pastor, what you really try and do is you try and say, God, out of everything that you have to share with people today, what's the God word? What do you, what do you really want to speak to people about today? And it's interesting that sometimes as people come to our services that say, I feel like I feel like the pastor was just talking to me today, like there was no one else in the room. And that's not because the pastor's uh, stalking you on Facebook. <laughs> it's not because they're asking 15 people about you after the service. It's because God cares. God cares. And He wants to speak to His shepherds to set you up well for the future. And so... You know, sometimes as a pastor, you get so clear, you go, in three months on that day, this is what I'm talking about. And other times, I would say, if I could put a word to it, it's like a digestive process of trying to get God's revelation for the morning. And uh, this week was a digestive week. And uh, God was speaking to me all these things, but it's like, God, what do you want to say on that morning? What do, you, what do you want to say to your people? And I trust, I trust I'm relatively close to His heart, what He's trying to do. This morning, I want to preach about the resources of my father. And I'm not talking about my dad, Stuart. I'm talking about the resources of our heavenly father. The resources. And so in Mark chapter 8, if you've got your Bibles, the title of the chapter is this, Feeding the 4,000. If anyone works in hospitality, you'd know that feeding 4,000 people is quite a task. I know, I hear that there's already people who are preparing Christmas meals for small groups, but imagine preparing a meal for 4,000 people. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Mark chapter 8. Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry... To their own houses, they will faint on their way, so, for some of them have come from afar. Then his disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks and broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And they set them before the multitude. And then... And they also had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said to set them also before them. 
So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away and immediately got into the boat with his disciples and came to the region of Dalmathnutha. Pastor Seraphim could probably help me with that word. Then the Pharisees came out and began to dispute with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven and testing him. But he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Assuredly, I say to you, no sign shall be given to this generation. And he left them and getting into the boat again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them saying, Take heed, be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And, reason, and they reasoned among themselves, Is it because we have no bread? But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Have your eyes, do, having your eyes, do you not see? And having your ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand? How many baskets full of fragments did you take up? So they said to him, Twelve. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. So he said to them, how is it that you do not understand? This is quite a cool passage. Jesus is teaching. He's seeing people get healed. And he's seeing people get set free. Last week, Pastor Stuart spoke about how Jesus gave power to his disciples to see people get free from demonic oppression and see them get healed from diseases. And he said that he still believes that today in this hour, God, Jesus, is still wanting to give power to his disciples to do the same thing. He really is. That's who he is. And here Jesus is and he's traveling in this way and and it talks about a great crowd comes to see Jesus. They want to hear what he says has to say. This church service doesn't go for 30 minutes. It doesn't go for 45. It doesn't go for two hours. It goes for three days. And these people are so focused that they are even to go, we don't have enough food to keep enduring in this meeting, but we're just going to stay because we don't want to miss a bit of this. Pretty amazing thought. And so Jesus, seeing these people, has compassion on them and says, hey, I think it's probably about time that we pull together some food. Let's feed these people. And obviously the disciples, these are the can-do people, say, well, where are we going to get the necessary food? We're in the middle of the wilderness. And uh, I just want to picture you for a moment. Maybe Kansas is a little bit of a not the best place because we've got mangoes and all sorts of fruit. But I want you to picture yourself in Mariba with the ant termites around you in, in the dirt. And you're speaking to a whole bunch of people and you think, I've got to feed cater for 4,000 people. <laughs> and Jesus says, well, look, let's look at what we have. And so they pull together the bread, and he talks about how he blesses it. They pull together the fish. And all of a sudden, what you see is it's supernaturally multiplied. Because how do you end up with seven baskets of food if you only had a couple of lo- some loaves and some fish to start with in the beginning? How do you do that? So there's a super ma- multiplication that's taken place, which has been able to allow Jesus to have a very small amount, but then supernaturally feed a whole bunch of people. 
He feeds them. They have a great time. I can imagine it would have been the high, like, what talk about a crescendo of a church service. Can you imagine that for a moment? If we had such an amazing church service that it went for three days, everyone was like, oh, this is so good. I'll skip food. Then we didn't have enough food because we weren't organized for food. And then Joe, Joe and Robin got in the kitchen and just laid hands on some potatoes and some roast beef. And all of a sudden there was enough for everyone. I mean, talk about, I think it would be the talk of the town at Freshwater. Did you hear what happened? And so then Jesus hops into the boat with his disciples and they begin to travel. And obviously when it comes to disciples, it seems to be that Jesus is teaching and then these people need to support him. They're, they're, his, they're his apprentices. They're working with him. But somehow amongst all the food that was left over, they only managed to carry one loaf. And they're on the boat and they're going, we should have been more prepared right now. We've only got one loaf. And in this moment, Jesus begins to speak to them. And he says, hey, guys, you've only got one loaf. But don't you remember what just happened? Don't you remember what just took place? And when you look through the Bible, what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to take what the Father's put on his life and he's trying to deposit it into his disciples. In other words, what you're seeing me do, if you have the faith and with the power of God, you can do the same. So he's saying, why are you complaining to me about only having one loaf? Just multiply it. He's saying, don't you have eyes to see? Don't you have ears to hear? Are your hearts that hard that you can't see? Now, what's interesting for me I, when I think about it, thank you, Sinek. <laughs> is that for us, we were born. Who remembers that day? Anyone? And then life began. I believe your parents chose that you were born, but I believe God chose your spirit and your soul to be here in this time at this moment. And I believe you're born for a purpose and for a reason, and God wants to use you right now in 2019. It's no accident that you're alive right now. But you know what's interesting with Jesus? There's this scripture in the Bible, and we tell it to our new Christians. And Jesus says this really radical statement. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Now, I love putting this in the new Christian's content because it's like, but to understand it, you have to know who Abraham is. And when you look at history, Abraham lived a long time before Jesus, okay? Not just 50 years, 20 years. I'm talking a long time before Jesus. So when Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am, what Jesus is saying is, I'm not just an inspirational speaker, I'm God. So when we think about God, which is the most you know, famous scripture, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Jesus has been there for eternity. Can you think about that? And then steps from heaven into earth. And then lives on the earth and goes back into eternity. So for us, when we talk about heaven, when we talk about the spiritual world, we talk about it as something that as we get older, we're beginning to understand more. By faith, we're beginning to grab a hold of it as we pray, as we worship. We're starting to feel God. We discover that angels are real. We discover that demons are real, but Jesus can set us free. We start to learn all of these things. We're learning in this way. But you see, Jesus has spent more time in heaven than he has on earth. So Jesus has been in heaven longer, so heaven, the supernatural realm, is actually more normal to Jesus 
than earth. He's the opposite. So when Jesus comes to earth, that's why I can talk about heaven so clearly, because he's lived there. He's been there. It's his home. He helped create it, the heavens and the earth. He understands all things. And so he steps into this world. So it's quite amazing because Jesus understands the spiritual world. And that's where when you begin to look through the Gospels, you begin to understand what's this world like. And, you know, sometimes when we look at our lives, we can think that this is kind of like the main thing. And in the supernatural, that's just a long way away. But did you know we're actually going to live in the supernatural far longer than we're ever going to live on this earth? Did you know that one day when you pass away, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're going to spend eternity in heaven? Eternity in heaven. When Jesus talks about heaven, he says, oh, my father's got many mansions there. What a cool statement. He's come from there. He's like, oh, there's many mansions in heaven. It's a good place. We talk about how the, the streets are paved with gold. You think about how beautiful, how this, this is where Jesus has come from down to earth. And I'm so excited because he came to rescue us in our sin. He came to rescue you. Come on, in your pain. If you're here this morning, he came to rescue you in your brokenness so that you can be healed today, so you can experience heaven today, but spend an eternity with God. What an amazing thought. But Jesus also understood, see, sometimes we think the supernatural realm can be a little bit irrelevant to us, but I want to tell you the supernatural realm plays a big part in your natural life. It really does. It really does. I believe that as you commit to a life of prayer, as you commit to a life of worship, as you commit to a life of fasting, I believe that there can be a supernatural momentum that can grace your life to do everything that God's called you to do. I actually believe that, that God can move in that particular way. And so it's really powerful. And so, you know, sometimes when it comes to our workplaces, sometimes we think, oh, there's so much gossip in my work. Why is there so much gossip in my work? Maybe it's something that's taking place in the supernatural realm. Maybe it's something that needs to be broken in the supernatural to see a shift in the natural. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so sometimes we just look at things in the natural when what we actually do need to do is to sort them out in the supernatural, right? And so, you know, this year, Pastor Stuart was talking about the nine mountains of influence. And I'm just going to ask Carl to put them on the screen for us. And so here we have these mountains. And it's so exciting because... You know, we have so many people with us that say, I want to do something great for God with my life. I want to serve Him. I want to advance the kingdom. But I don't know if I'm called to be a pastor. And I want to encourage you, you know, there'd be people in here that God has called you. I know for me, I just knew that I knew that I knew that this is what I was meant to be doing. But there might be another sphere that God is calling you to, to bring His culture, to bring His truth to that particular space and place. And we've talked a lot about that. And so what's so important as we go into these places is that we understand not only what's happening in the natural, but in the supernatural in such a big way, because it's very, very real. And we've talked about how we can take authority, if you've been in services, how we can take authority of demonic things in the supernatural. But who knows that we also have access to the kingdom of God, and we also have access to everything that God has in heaven, and we actually can pull it down to earth. It's actually there. It's actually available to us. And so Jesus understood that with this tool called faith, that he could actually get the things that were in the supernatural and bring them into the natural pretty amazing thought. And so as you go out this week, maybe into one of these particular mountains, maybe you're here and you're a mom or a dad and you're climbing that mountain of family. Maybe you're here and you're in the health industry, climbing that mountain of health. We could go through every single one of them. But do you have the capacity to grab a hold of the resources of heaven and pull them down right now? 
It's pretty amazing thought when you begin to think about it. I know for me, I have uh, about a bag full of tools. A drill, a tool set, which I think I've misplaced, and a drill set, you know? But I know that at my dad's house, there is a, like two humongous containers full of tools. And I know that within reason, as long as I look after them and honor him, that I have free access to my father's tools. I understand that he also has a nice car. And if I just randomly surprised him and took it out, I probably wouldn't be that excited. But I know that if I asked him, and if it was for a good reason, he'd let me borrow his car. He would. He'd say, okay, no problem. And he, I know that if I honor him, that I know that the resources of my father are there for me to utilize. It's a pretty amazing thought. And I want to encourage you today, as you honor your heavenly father, his resources are there for you to utilize. They really are. I was at a, a lecture last week, and they were talking about Christian business people. And they were talking about two types of people. They were talking about Christians in business and a Christian business. Both are needed. A Christian in business, maybe you work, you have an employer, but you're in the business sphere. And right in that place, you can be salt, you can be light, you can be part of the answer, you can change the environment. I think Daniel in the Bible is a phenomenal example of that, who, who rose up, prayed three times a day, became a, you know, a great advisor to the king, interpreted dreams. There's that amazing thought. And there might be people who are in this space, and God has called you there to be a Christian in the business world. The other type of person is a Christ, the other type is a Christian business. Well, what they are is they're an entrepreneur or a business owner, and what they do is they have their business and they've laid it before the feet of Jesus. They've said, This isn't my business, this is the kingdom's business. And I'm laying it before the king. And so, therefore, if you believe God has called you, you're not just doing it in your own strength, but you believe God has called you to pioneer that business, then it's no longer your business, it's the king's business which means that the resources of the king are available because the king loves to help his sons and daughters pioneer the purpose that he has for them on earth, just like Jesus Christ. Pretty amazing thought. And so we've got to also understand that there's two kingdoms. Julie talked about it earlier, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Right, in, right within that is the kingdom of this world, right? And it's interesting that in the Bible there was a gentleman and he pioneered a city called Babylon. And Babylon is really a city that says, I'm just going to get what I get. I'm going to push my way to the top. I'm all alone. I can do it without God. I'm just going to make it work. But the kingdom, kingdom thought is different to Babylon because Babylon is, I'm solo. I've got to push my way to the top. I've got to make this work. But kingdom is, I'm a son and daughter of the king, the creator of the universe, who's called me to this, and he's going to make a way for me. And so when you hand your business over to God, really what you're saying is I'm not, I'm not going to just build this in a Babylonian mindset and in a Babylonian way all by myself. I'm building this for the king and with the king. Pretty amazing when you think about it in that way. And so today, whatever mountain you're climbing, have you thought about what resources are available to you? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus does a chapter and he talks about don't worry. 
And he talks about many of the things that people worry about. And he says, hey, hey, that's what people do that. But I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. And everything that you need will be added unto you. Everything that you need. And so to be someone who knows how to lay your gifts, your time, your talent, to just lay it before the king. Just lay it before him. And say, God, I need your help. I need you. And see what he can do.